Hello and welcome to The Buzz, a bank automation news podcast. My name is Whitney McDonald and I'm the editor of Bank Automation News. Joining me today is Rolf Dangelmeyer, Chief Executive of Fintech BlueSnap. He is here to discuss the growing need for payment innovation, learning experiences from recent banking collapses, and the current state of payments rails. Great. Hi, I'm Ralph Dangelmeyer, the CEO of BlueSnap. Um, BlueSnap helps merchants accept payments globally. And we do that through our platform, which we call the Payment Orchestration Platform. And what that does, it allows merchants to accept payments in hundreds of countries with hundreds of payment types, hundreds of currencies. What makes it unique is that we can process those payments in 47 countries around the world, which allows merchants to have higher authorization rates or less declines, and it lowers their cost of processing payments. So that's what BlueSnap does around the world for merchants. Well, thanks so much for joining us. We're definitely in a unique environment right now in the financial industry. I figured we could kick things off by talking about the recent collapses from SBB, First Republic, Signature Bank, and of course, the, the crypto environment as well. Wondering if you could kick us off with some lessons learned takeaways just from your perspective on what's been going on in the past several months. Great. Well, I think there's a lot of lessons learned here. I mean, boy, if we had a turbulent ride, right? I mean, COVID came, everything started booming, nobody could do anything wrong. And then whammo, everything hit. And I think the the lessons learned are that you really can never put all your eggs in one basket, right? So the, the people that didn't have multiple bank accounts, the people that weren't prepared for either higher interest rates or weren't prepared for backups on their bank accounts. Um, We had, I think a story that didn't get told well is a lot of these banks were processing payments for people. So not just payroll, but actually payments. So we heard of thousands of merchants that were down for the weekend uh, processing payments. So really It's a redundancy story is one here that I think is a big lesson learned um, is where are you redundant? Where are your single points of failure if you have a problem? So that's one big lesson. I think the other thing you mentioned, and I'll just touch on it simply, is you could not do a podcast or you could not do a story without someone bringing up crypto. Crypto, crypto, crypto. It was everywhere. And um, I think some people understood it, some didn't. Um, and now we've seen crypto collapse. So we had the banking collapse and crypto collapse at the same time, which really, really think made people nervous. And I'll throw a third thing in there as a lesson learned is this buy now, pay later was literally the hottest thing ever. Um, and so you're constantly like borrow money and spend everything you can to grow and get into crypto and do buy now, pay later. And all of a sudden, all three of those sort of came tumbling down and merchants were left hanging. Wait a minute, this was my strategy a year ago. And now what do I do? So I don't think I've seen so many real hot trends crash or really take this deep dive so rapidly in any period of time in payments. So um, due diligence, redundancy, single points of failure. Um, am I set up with the correct providers globally? These are the things now people have to look at when they're setting up their payment networks around the world. 
Now, speaking of payment networks and payment rails and where we stand today, maybe we could just talk through the the current environment and what exists today um, before we talk about the good stuff, the innovation. Yeah, so um, what we end up talking to a lot of our customers about is, you know, they get confused. So if you think about it, there's hundreds of companies, hundreds of territories or countries out there. They all have their own payment rail in their country, right? So they all have their own like PayPal um, in their own countries. And then you have these global networks. There's about seven of them, right? Like China Union Pay and Visa and MasterCard, American Express. And when do I use them? Um, And then there's bank transfers that happen like the ACH or EFTs in certain countries. And now there's um, real-time growth settlement, which is happening, which is like FedNow and... um, uh, open banking sort of in another little avenue over in Europe. And this is confusing people. That's really what the message here is. They're confusing. What rail do I use for what customer type in what country, in what currency? Um, and what does it cost? And so I, I think what's happened is we've taken something that was very simple. Um, you use sort of ACH for payroll. You do buy things online with a card, uh, and, and the smartphone and the innovation and the world's kind of getting smaller has confused everyone because now there's literally hundreds of wallets around the world and they got to work on hundreds of different connected devices and you're trying to work with hundreds of currencies and people are just confused. So I, I think trying to really map out payments and what rails you're gonna use as part of your product plan when you roll things out, like let's catch people doing it right, like people like Uber um, or maybe Intuit. That's where I think the rail conversation really comes about. And, and usually if you're selling outside of your own country, you have to educate yourself on what's the right rails that I need to process for those customers outside of my own country, Whitney. If we could take that a step further, what do those conversations look like? How do you know that you are selecting the right payments rail, especially with more coming to market, Fed now coming in July? How do you know you're making that right choice? Yeah. So I, it really comes down to is what it, who's your customer? I know it sounds simple, but it's who's your customer? Is it B2B? Is it B2C? Is it a mix? Um, how does that customer now, what's it, the way it likes to pay? So um, there's a payment method called Ideal, which does about 70% of all online transactions in the Netherlands, right? So that's how people want to buy as a consumer. Bigger business may want to pay with a bank transfer or something called SEPA over in Europe, right? Very similar to the United States, right? Where we pay with small transactions, usually on cards and big transactions, we'll probably use an ACH or a wire. That wire now might move to a Fed now. So you really need to look at who's my customer base, where are they located? What's their preferred currency? What's the preferred payment method? What's the dollar amount? Because if it's a $100,000 payment, you're probably not going to put that on a credit card. But if it's a $10 payment, you most likely are. And what's the work involved in the back office on collecting payments and how much work it is. So there's a little analysis that has to be done by the company to figure out what does make the most sense based on who my customers are. And that's really the question that I know we spend a lot of time here is who's your customers? 
B to B, B to Z, you have both. Is it invoicing? Are they buying online? And that's how figure out what then is the most um, optimal payment method that you need to offer on your checkout to really cater to those customers. So one of the things that that comes up is that that confusion that you're hearing from customers. There's friction in this process. Maybe we can shift into some innovation talk here where there is opportunity for innovation in payments and the importance of innovating within this space. So there's been so much innovation in payments in the last 15 years. It's one of the, I think it's the second most invested space by private equity firms in the world after biotech. Uh, we've seen all of it come with the invention of lots of cool things, right? Apple Pay, Buy Now, Pay Later, crypto, all the things we mentioned. So are we going to stop innovating? No. I think we're on a small pause. Innovation's down a little bit because we're in the middle of this sort of uh, transition period, but it's going to spike back up. And where is innovation going to spike, at least from our point of view? Well, I think absolutely real-time payments and open banking, those concepts, uh, cutting out the middleman is absolutely going to be a spike. I think you're going to see this concept of super apps, right? Where, why do I got to log into so many different apps? Why do I have so many wallets on my phone to check out? And it really, you know, it looks like, you know, just a confusing menu. I mean, I was buying something the other day from a well-known retailer and they must have had, it looked like a NASCAR racetrack. There was so many stickers on there. I'm like, which one do I pick to choose to buy? Um, so it's it's making things. So we're going to see that consolidate, in my opinion. You're not going to see so many wallets. I think the other thing you're going to see is the concept of paying more in what I call ubiquitous or common currency is going to change. Right. And right in the changing things back and forth. So think of like a common euro that we're going to see around the whole world. We're all using a single currency, sort of what Bitcoin has tried to do. I think you're going to see innovations in FX. And, and the other one that I think is kind of one of my favorites is um, you're going to see platforms which really run companies, if you think about it, right? The likes of whether it's Salesforce or HubSpot or Intuit or SAP or Salesforce, they're really running, they're the heart of what runs these companies, right? And they're specialized ERP and CRM systems per industry. They're going to start offering banking services. You're going to be able to open your bank account as a law firm or accounting firm or a school or a camp, um, you're going to be able to open your bank account on your platform and you're going to be able to perform payments um, and you're going to get lending there. It's already started to happen. We've seen uh, about, we've done a survey ourselves and we've seen a lot of outside data that says about 10% of the platforms today are serving up and opening bank accounts. And the trend is being called embedded banking or embedded payments. And you're going to hear a lot about that over the next 10 years, that this business is going to go from very little to potentially a trillion dollar business in the next eight years. And that's one of my favorites because I think it makes it easy. It's frictionless for the merchant. And when they're filling out their application to sign up for Intuit or Salesforce, they're also opening their bank accounts and have to do something different. And they don't have to go do this coding integration and hire system integrators to do it, which we have a huge a problem in the world with technical debt, right? Everything requires technical resources and we just don't have enough of it. So I think that's ripe for disruption and innovation right now and where we are in the market. Now, with all of those examples in place and different opportunities within the payments industry, 
what are you looking forward to or expecting from the payments world, whether it's innovation or reimagining money movement? Uh, what are you looking forward to or watching for or even working on? Yeah, well, I'm going to follow up on my past theme. I'm really looking forward to watching these these platforms starting to sell and open bank accounts and how powerful they become. And I think it's going to be a big shift in banking. I'm going to think the SB business is not going to go to the bank anymore. And I think you're going to see lots of bank closures. I think you're going to see a lot less use of cash. Um, you know, cash is still rising every year. And people don't believe that, but they really are because globally cash is on the rise, especially as we get into tough economic times. So I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to see that. And I think as soon as, as we come out of this recession, we're going to see explosion of investment and innovation on those topics I mentioned earlier. Um, it will really, I don't know when it's going to exactly happen, but my guess is every time we've been through one of these things, when it was 1999, 2000, we had a, we had a sort of a lull in the internet and then boom, exploded. We saw another lull in 708, the smartphone came along and then exploded. We saw COVID lull things and we came out of things exploded. I think we're going to see a real mass investment and explosion of innovation. Uh, probably 24, 25 is, is what I see happen. And it's just fun watching these companies, you know, kind of start and bloom into something very interesting. You've been listening to The Buzz, a bank automation news podcast. Please follow us on LinkedIn. And as a reminder, you can rate this podcast on your platform of choice. Thank you for your time and be sure to visit us at bankautomationnews.com for more automation news.